the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of news impacting the precious metals markets. It's Friday, May 26th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Buy low, sell high. That sums up pretty much every investment strategy, right? I mean, ultimately, you want to buy low, you want to sell high. That being the case, this might be a great time to buy gold and silver because precious metals continue to face a lot of downward price pressures. Yesterday, gold dropped below 1750 and was at the lowest level in two months. Now, this morning, there's been a bit of a rebound. We're up about 11 bucks and just above 1950 an ounce. Meanwhile, silver faced even steeper declines, falling from around 2350 to 2270 in just two days. Silver has also rebounded this morning and was at about 2315 when I started doing prep for the show. Now, a couple of things are putting pressure on gold and silver. I've talked about the major driver of price action in the precious metals markets ad nauseum. We're back to expecting more tightening by the Federal Reserve. We got the revised GDP data for the first quarter on Thursday. It indicated that price inflation was even hotter than initially reported. Growth was also revised up a tick to 1.3%. So, obviously, that means the Fed is going to fight even harder, right? I've talked about how I think this will play out on numerous occasions. Uh, Last week's show, I talked about what the markets are getting wrong. I'm not going to belabor that point today. You can go back and listen to last week's show. But in a nutshell, I think the fact that price inflation is still hot is an ominous sign that the Fed is losing the inflation fight. I don't think another 25 basis point rate hike is going to somehow be the death nail for inflation. And I think that despite all of the supposedly great economic data out there, and there's actually quite a bit of bad economic data data, the economy is actually teetering on the verge of collapse because it can't function for long without its easy money drug. And to me, that's the overriding key. That's the overriding factor in the economy right now. The Fed has tightened monetary policy. It's not really tight, but it's certainly tighter than it was. And this economy depends on that flow of money printing, quantitative easing, artificially low interest rates. That is the the thing that makes the economy run. It's the gasoline that runs the engine of this economy, as sad as that might be. And, And they've taken that away to some degree. And at some point, the whole thing's gonna fall apart. On an interesting side note, money supply is dropping at a pretty substantial rate. I'll link to an article in the show notes page that our data guy Tony wrote uh, with all the gory details, but he summed it up this way. He said, incredibly, even with contracting money supply, the Fed is still not doing enough to solve the inflation problem. This is due to how much money was created over the last few years. Undoing this money creation would require an even bigger drop in money supply for an extended period. The Fed will not make it that long. And then he went on to write, quote, there is no question that the current drop in money supply will be unable to remove the inflation created during the pandemic. The drop will be enough to remove all support from the economy, though. So he's saying the same thing I am. 
We've tightened. We're seeing a decline in the money supply, but it's not enough to undo the $4 trillion uh, that they dumped into the economy during the pandemic on top of the trillions of dollars that they created after 2008. But it's certainly enough to pull all of the pillars of support out from this bubble economy. Another thing that was supposedly pressuring gold and silver yesterday was reported progress on the debt ceiling standoff. An analyst I read put it like this, if a deal is done over the weekend, then that will remove the biggest risk off the table. Wrong. If a debt ceiling deal doesn't include massive spending cuts, and it won't, that's actually the biggest risk. In other words, a debt ceiling deal puts a massive risk on the table. And that's actually bullish for gold. Uh, I was looking around this morning. Apparently, there are reports that uh, the Biden administration and Republicans in Congress are close to getting a deal done. It would be a two-year increase on the debt ceiling. I didn't see a number there. Uh, And then also spending caps. Now, notice I said spending caps. So they will only be able to raise spending a certain amount in that time period. We're not talking about spending cuts here, right? Go look at the deficit numbers. We've got a spending problem. We're spending far more than the Treasury is taking in. You're not going to fix that by just capping spending. There has to be massive spending cuts. That's not going to happen. I'm going to get into the debt ceiling uh, here a little bit later in the show. But before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about silver in the context of what I said at the top of the show, buy low, sell high. Because silver's definitely dropped. Gold has definitely dropped. I think it's a buying opportunity, especially for silver. There are a lot of reasons to be really bullish on silver. I mentioned that silver dropped by almost a dollar in just two days. It's being pulled down by the set, uh, by the same Fed dynamics as gold. Keep in mind that as a monetary metal, gold and silver generally track together over time. But silver is much more volatile than gold, so you'll see bigger price swings despite them trending in the same direction together. Now, again, despite the drop this week, there are plenty of reasons to be bullish on silver, and there is actually some mainstream bullishness out there. For instance, Citigroup projects silver could rise to $30 an ounce in the next six months to a year. So we're talking about a $7 increase in the price of silver over the next possibly 12 months. Now, if you do the math on that, with silver currently in the $23 an ounce range, this represents a possible 30% return. There aren't too many places you can get a 30% return in 6 to 12 months, right? A Citigroup analyst said, quote, we think recent price weakness offers a strong dip buying opportunity, reiterating our call for $30 an ounce silver over the next 6 to 12 months as U.S. growth rolls over, even if emerging markets growth stagnates. Citigroup's analysts aren't buying the Federal Reserve's hawkish posturing any more than I am. They think interest rates will fall in the near future as a recession takes hold, and they are almost certainly understating the dynamics. You know, I've talked about this before, too. While the mainstream pretty much agrees that a recession is in the cards, the thinking is that it will be short and shallow. And I talked about this last week in the show about what the markets are getting wrong. I see no reason to believe that. 
Regardless, even if they're getting the potential depth of the recession wrong, they do expect the Fed will ease interest rates, and I agree with them on that point. The Citigroup analyst said, quote, we expect silver would rally in anticipation of the fall in U.S. interest rates and the real yields that will likely accompany an anticipated rollover in U.S. growth in Q4 23 or early 2024. This should weigh on the dollar, with city economists expecting U.S. rates and the dollar to weaken further. And furthermore, Citibank also, or Citigroup, um, anticipates that we will see increasing physical demand for silver in China. Now, there are actually some other bullish signs for silver that this Citigroup analyst didn't even mention. First off, the silver-gold ratio uh, still indicates silver is on sale. Uh, currently, the silver-gold ratio is hovering around 85 to 1. That means it takes over 85 ounces of silver to buy one ounce of gold. To put that into some perspective, the average in the modern era has been between 40 to 1 and 50 to 1. Historically, that ratio has always returned to that mean. And when it does, typically it happens with a vengeance. For instance, the ratio fell to 30 to 1 back in 2011, and it was below 20 to 1 in 1979. Now, historically, when the spread gets this wide, when you start seeing uh, the silver-gold ratio over 80 to 1, silver doesn't just outperform gold and this is typically in a gold bull rally, it goes on a massive run in a short period of time. And since January 2000, this has actually happened four times. Also, the supply-demand dynamics look really good for silver. I've talked about this in uh, some previous shows. Silver demand set a record in every single category last year, including industrial demand. Of course, industrial offtake accounts for about half of the global demand for silver. And that's only expected to increase in the years ahead as we continue this push toward green energy. Ah, green energy. I can't even say the words. Um, and, you know, the thing is, no matter what you think about green energy and solar power, I mean, you might think it's dumb. I personally think the possibility of transitioning to green energy is way overstated. Nevertheless, that's the momentum we have, and governments are pushing it. I think that's the key. As long as governments are pushing it and subsidizing it, there's going to be a lot of government money flowing into this green energy. Even if we have a very deep recession, I think we'll still see uh, strong support for green energy from governments. And I think that's bullish for silver, even if it's not necessarily so bullish for uh, our, our energy production. Um, you know, silver is an extremely important component in solar panels. And according to a study by scientists at the University of New South Wales, solar manufacturers will likely require over 20% of the current annual solar supply by 2027. So just in what, four years. And by 2050, solar panel production will use approximately 85 to 98% of the current global silver reserves. Now, on the other side of the equation, silver supply was flat last year, and it's expected to be flat again in 2023. So when you couple record global silver demand with a lack of supply upside, that contributed to a 237.7 million ounce market deficit uh, for silver. It was the second consecutive annual deficit in a row. And the Silver Institute called it possibly the most significant deficit on record. 
And the Silver Institute also noted that, quote, the combined shortfalls of the previous two years comfortably offset the cumulative surpluses of the last 11 years. So the bottom line here is demand for silver is growing already to the point where we're using more silver than is being supplied. And then on top of that, the supplies. Uh, expected to continue to be flat, uh, while demand is expected to continue to increase. So the, those supply and demand fundamentals, you know, you look at that, you look at the silver-gold ratio, you look at this Citigroup analysis, this may be the perfect time to buy silver. Now, I've talked to a couple of people about this uh, over the last couple of weeks, and they've mentioned to me that, well, you've got these high premiums, so you can't expect a 30% return. That's fair. It is true that premiums have been very high on a lot of silver products, especially silver coins, American Silver Eagles. And this has been due to supply constraints and very high demand. But you can still find good premiums on some products. That's why you need to talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist to help you find the best deals. Um, I bought some silver bars not too long ago and got a fantastic uh, premium or a reasonable premium at least. Um, and, and I'm not getting any special deals uh, from, from shift gold. So, you know, if this is something you're thinking about, give them a call and check it out. Okay, let's pivot now and talk about this silly, fake debt ceiling fight. And by the way, I've got lawn mowing action going on here in the neighborhood. I don't know if the mic will pick it up, but if it does, sorry. They're really early today. Anyway, debt ceiling fight. As I'm sure you know, the debt ceiling saga is getting down to the wire. In a letter to Congress on Monday, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that without a debt ceiling increase, it was highly likely that the government wouldn't be able to meet all of its obligations by, quote, early June and potentially as early as June 1st. So that's just a few days away. Oh, no. Clutch your pearls. But despite the drama, I still expect Congress is going to get a deal done. And as I have already alluded to, that's when the real problems begin. Now, although there's no deal yet, and I'm pretty sure... It will come down to the last minute to maximize the drama. There is apparently progress, as I've already mentioned. Uh, Sounds like they're close. And, you know, interestingly, even before the reported progress, Moody Investors Service, Senior Vice President and Senior Credit Officer William Foster told CNN, quote, we absolutely don't think there will be a scenario where we cross the X date and interest payments will be missed. If we were less confident, he said, we would change our outlook to negative. And I completely agree. They're going to raise the debt ceiling, right? When this drama started in January, I called it a fake debt ceiling fight. And I said that nobody was seriously willing to contemplate a default. Now, I could be wrong. Time will tell. But, you know, everything's pointing in that direction. And I'm still confident that this is nothing but a dog and pony show with a bit of brinksmanship thrown in for dramatic effect. And when it's all said and done, Congress will raise the debt ceiling. I've never doubted for one second that they wouldn't raise the debt ceiling. I mean, think about it. Are these people really going to make it so they can't borrow any more money? Of course not. Borrowing and spending is the source of their power. It's what they do. They have to raise the debt ceiling. Do you know how many times they've raised the debt ceiling? I believe 75, counting the most recent. So yeah, that puppy's going to get raised. 
But here's the thing. Raising the borrowing limit again doesn't solve the problem. In fact, raising the debt ceiling exacerbates the problem. That's why I said earlier that it doesn't take risk off the table. It smacks down a royal flush of risk onto the table. The fundamental problem isn't the U.S. government can't borrow enough money. The fundamental problem is the U.S. government spends too much money. In reality, raising the debt ceiling is enabling destructive behavior. You know, it's like handing a heroin addict a $100 bill. That never works out well, right? The Biden administration has been spending at around a half a trillion dollar per month clip for months. In April, the U.S. government blew through $426.34 billion, and that was actually on the low side of what we've seen in terms of monthly spending uh, in recent months. Thanks to all of that spending, coupled with declining tax receipts, the fiscal 2023 budget deficit already is just a tad under a trillion dollars, and we've still got five months to go in this fiscal year. There is no way the government can raise enough tax revenue to cover the spending without levying significant tax increases on the middle class and the poor, something nobody in D.C. is willing to do. It's much easier to just keep borrowing money. That means it has to raise the debt ceiling. It's not just about a default. That's just a talking point. The real issue is the federal government can't maintain its current trajectory without borrowing more. And there is virtually nobody in Washington, D.C. who is really willing to do what it takes to change that trajectory. So, borrowing it is. The problem is that's not sustainable either. And that's why I say the real trouble starts once Congress hikes the borrowing limit. According to analysis by Goldman Sachs, the U.S. Treasury may have to sell, get this, $700 billion in T-bills within six to eight weeks of a debt ceiling deal. That's just to replenish cash reserves that the government spent down while it was up against that borrowing limit. On a net basis, the Treasury will likely have to sell more than $1 trillion in Treasuries, uh, through the end of the year. So here's a question for you. Who the hell is going to buy all of those bonds? You know, bond prices are already tanking, indicating demand for treasuries isn't exactly robust, and they're going to dump another $700 billion worth of them into the market? That should go well. Not. Sure, the market may be able to absorb all of that paper, but it will almost certainly cause interest rates to rise even more as the sale drains liquidity out of the markets. In effect, as treasuries flood the market with new, or as the U.S. Treasury floods the market with new debt, bond prices will likely fall in order to create enough demand for all of those treasuries, right? It's supply and demand dynamics. You dump a bunch of supply on, that pushes prices down uh, because you're trying to increase demand. You want people who wouldn't normally buy them to say, oh, these are cheap, I'll buy some. So bond yields, interest rates, are inversely correlated with bond prices. So that means as bond prices fall, interest rates rise and vice versa. So a Bank of America note projects that the anticipated post-debt ceiling bond sale would have an impact equivalent to another 25 basis point Federal Reserve hike. So in other words, 
the the Treasury is going to sell the $700 billion worth of bonds. That's basically as if Jerome Powell trotted out and said we're raising interest rates another quarter percent. The liquidity crunch will spill over into the private bond market as well. The price of non-government debt instruments will also have to fall in order to compete with Treasury bonds. That means the cost of borrowing is going to go up for everybody. So you're going to see debt that all these corporations and and, uh, governments are issuing, it's going to get less expensive and interest rates are going to go up. So it's more expensive for them to borrow. Now, rate hikes have already precipitated a financial crisis, right? The government and the Federal Reserve managed to paper over the problem with the bailout, but it's only a matter of time before something else breaks in the economy. I've said this over and over over the last couple of months. This bubble economy is built on easy money and debt. You take it away, the house of cards collapses. I can't overemphasize that fundamental point. The only other option is for the Federal Reserve to go back to quantitative easing. In fact, even if it doesn't happen immediately, QE is in the future. Much of this debt will ultimately have to be monetized. There is no other way for the market to absorb all of the debt that the Treasury is going to have to issue to support the borrowing and spending. Yeah, the Fed is on track to victory over inflation. Not. In order to prop up the bond market and keep prices higher than they otherwise would be, and interest rates lower, the Fed will ultimately have to buy bonds to boost demand. It will buy those treasuries with money created out of thin air. That is inflation. In other words, you're going to pay for all of this government spending through the inflation tax. And again, I think this is inevitable. I think QE is coming down the road because the U.S. government can't afford the interest expense that rising interest rates are going to cause. Think about it this way. Let's say that the U.S. government does manage to cap spending. Let's say that's part of this debt ceiling deal. We're capping spending, and you can only spend up to this level on this thing. Now, first off, they're going to find all kinds of ways to get around that, but that's neither here nor there. You can't cap interest rate expense, right? That's uncappable. It's going to keep going up. And I've talked about this before. The estimate is that within a couple of years, you could see the interest payments on the debt become like in the top three expense categories for the U.S. government behind Social Security and Medicare. So this interest rate is a big problem. That's why the Fed's going to have to step in. That's why you're going to get hit with the inflation tax. And inflation is the one who's going to be doing the victory lap in this fight. That's why I keep saying that's one of the fundamental dynamics. The bottom line is that raising the debt ceiling doesn't fix anything. It just kicks the can down the road. And I say this all the time because I like the imagery. The problem with kick the can down the road is eventually you run out of road, right? The only way to address this problem is for the government to significantly slash spending and bring it into line with tax receipts. You can decide for yourself how likely that scenario is. Now, none of this is bearish for gold or silver. It's all bullish, because no matter how you slice this big pile of poo, you end up with a worthless dollar and a crashing economy. So, you might want to take advantage of gold and silver on sale right now. 
Or maybe you believe the mainstream narrative and you don't want to buy gold or silver. That's up to you. But if you are interested in adding precious metals to your portfolio, to taking advantage of precious metals on sale and, you know, likely preserving your wealth when the dollar collapses, talk to a Shift Gold Special Metals Specialist today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or just go to shiftgold.com. You can talk to them right there on the website. Go to the Getting Started tab or you can email them, info at shiftgold.com. Do it today. Guys are great. They'll look at your individual situation. They'll listen to you, figure out what you're strategies are, what you're trying to accomplish with your investing, and um, help you see if precious metals will fit into that scenario. So do it today, 1-888-GOLD-160. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on everything I've talked about today and more, and of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shipgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube. You'll find links to all of those things on the show notes page, as well as links to our social media channels. You can email me, mmahary, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shiftgold.com. Love to hear from folks, get some good ideas for articles and for podcast topics from uh, listeners, and I appreciate that, so do that. So we're going to sign this thing off. We've got a nice long holiday weekend coming up. I hope you have a happy Memorial Day, and I will talk to you again next Friday.